Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro-revenge video. Today we've got a great story of revenge against a creepy boss. But first, a story from that Virgo witch, I quit. Quick backstory, I was in a very toxic work environment and had been very unhappy for more than 6 months. Every time I thought things would get better, things got worse. A new job fell into my lap, quite literally I hadn't been actively looking. I interviewed on a Thursday and they sent me my offer letter the very next day on Friday. The two owners of the company were supposed to be coming into the office that Friday as it was their last day before they went on a optional and completely not necessary, might I add, networking trip out of town the next week. I waited all day for them to show, until finally after lunch, I called to see where they were at, and if they would be in, only to find out they didn't plan to come in anymore. So, I had no other option but to give them my two weeks notice right over the phone. I would have definitely have preferred to do this in person, but I wasn't going to wait a week to tell them in person, which would end up making me work three more weeks there. I know it doesn't seem like a big deal, but I was really just over the toxicity and, for my own mental health, I just couldn't wait. Obviously, they were pissed and they took it very personally. Even though I did tell them it was me leaving for a better professional opportunity and better health benefits. Nothing personal. They made my last two weeks miserable. Even with them out of town for one of the two weeks, they were constantly bombarding me with various tasks that weren't normally part of my position, on top of lining everything out for my replacement. Which is not very easy to do with three different job positions since I had a million and one tasks. I even helped them pack up their entire office and helped them move and unpack at the new office. Oh, and I ran the entire renovation of the new office with zero thanks. All this to say that I was really struggling with my mental health on my last week. I was having to deal with insults, backhanded comments, and I even walked in on an active crap-talking session about me. The last Thursday I had to work was the worst day out of all of them, and everyone treated me like crap, so at the end of the day, I left all my keys, computer, and credit cards on my desk. The next morning at exactly 7am, I sent them this email. Good morning. Unfortunately, I won't be able to make it into the office today. Both office keys, laptop, Home Depot card, and credit card are on my desk already. I've turned over all my job duties to co-worker's name and prepared them as best as I can. I'm very grateful for all of the knowledge and experience I gained from this position. Wish you guys the best of luck in your hiring process. Please mail my final check to address. My boss immediately called me and told me it was mandatory for me to go into the office to sign paperwork and get my last check. I sent her a link to the state website stating an employer is required to send the paycheck within 72 hours of the last date of employment, and that there is no paperwork that I'm legally required to sign, so I would not be returning. I'd also started a newsletter for them and had a bunch of templates. I provided them with a password, but didn't realize it had two-factor authentication. Did I give them the one-time code? Nope. My last parting gift to them is getting to recreate everything I'd put together. Peace out. 
If you were on your way out of a job like OP here, and they were treating you like absolute dog poo on your way out, would you try to sabotage whatever it was you were doing on your way out? Make life really difficult for them after you're gone? Or would you rather just take the high road, forget about all of them, brush it right off your shoulder and keep on moving? Let me know what route you would want to take in the comments down below. Our next story is from ChefDad64. Always make sure to park properly inside your lines. At my job, we have a four-level parking structure with regular and compact parking. We have a lot of employees and a lot of parking spots, but unfortunately not enough to go around. We have security here who's supposed to enforce the parking rules, which is standard stuff you would expect, like not double parking, parking in your lines, and having the proper parking passes for special spots. Unfortunately, we have the 500 pound plus I eat Doritos, Dr. Pepper, and Twinkies for all meals kind of security guards, so they can't be bothered to do their job. There's plenty of employees who park over their lines all the time, with a lack of consideration for those around them who need to find parking too. It sucks when you see an open space, only to have to pass it up because your car doesn't fit and would scrape one of the cars next to you, and instead have to keep looking while risking being late. My job is a stickler for tardiness, even being one minute late is enough to get a write-up. To get back at these jerks, I've been simply following the rules. They said stay in your lines, and so that's what I do. Thankfully, one of my cars is an old beater car I use for work and errands. It could use a paint touch-up, but I don't really care about the cosmetics of this car. Basically, I can park anywhere I need to without issue for the most part, even if someone scratches or dings me. So, when I see spots at work and the donkeys are parked over the line into my spot, I just park in my lines as close to their driver's side as I possibly can without touching it. And if they complain, well, you're in my spot, buddy. I don't know what to tell you. Needless to say, this has pissed off plenty of employees who have had to waddle their way across the passenger side to the steering wheel. But hey, maybe you should consider not being a jerk and have consideration for all those who need to find parking and get to work on time as well. This is definitely the beauty of having an old beat up car that you just, you don't really care if it gets a little roughed up on the outside. You can park just about anywhere and you're not afraid of getting scratches or dings or whatnot. So what if there's an ugly dent on the rear passenger side? It's an old beat up car anyways. Go ahead and snuggle up on close to your line buddies and make them realize they need to do better with their parking jobs. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Every video has awesome stories and our next story is from Supershine Cointoss 7, my comeback for the boss who fired me to save their skin. Side quest. Former supervisor retires, former manager does not replace the former supervisor, worked as an admin doing the job of two people. The former manager throws me under the bus to save their skin, denies my unemployment benefits, and I decide to appeal without telling my husband. Also, my mom is my ride or die. I find out valuable info through a former coworker about former manager. Former manager messes up at appeals hearing by getting themselves kicked out. My unemployment decision is reversed. Told husband everything, including arranging employment attorney, husband gets pissed. Former manager tries to appeal the reversal decision, gets denied reopening due to lack of evidence. Husband agrees to meet employment attorney with me. So following these events, my boss announces their new 401k program for all employees. We meet with the financial advisor and they give me their business card. I look at the address. I show the address to my husband. His eyes get wide. 
Their office is in the same building as my former employer. Without missing a beat, I tell our financial advisor, we'll be glad to meet you at your office. Are you available one week from today? Things could not have lined up better, but my husband's hesitant. He tells me we should skip the in-person meeting. No, sir. After everything that happened between former manager and I, I can't pass up this opportunity to walk back into my old building with my head held high. The day of the meeting, we pull into my old parking lot and make our way inside. No sign of former manager. I ran into some former co-workers and say hi before getting into the elevator. The meeting lasts about an hour or so. On our way out, my husband suggests we not dilly-dally and leave as quickly as possible. I'm slightly disappointed by the anticlimactic ending, but all that changes as soon as we reach the first floor. Former manager standing in the lobby. They see me, and the look on their face is priceless. What the heck are you doing here? I say I was here on business, but now I'm leaving. They say, you've got some nerve showing your face in this building. Do you have any idea the trouble you've caused this company? To me? I'm not proud to admit I fantasized about this moment many times in my head, almost to the point of obsession, to which my husband does not condone. So, with a smug look on my face, I reply, I missed the part where that's my problem. Before we can exchange any more words, we make a beeline for the exit. My husband scolds me in the car. You know, you could have just ignored former manager and not said a word. I don't care. I told off my crappy boss, and no one can take that away. I mean, in a situation like this, where you had a former employer who totally screwed you over, and you were able to get back at them, and then you're able to show up again and rub some dirt in the old wounds, it's just confusing to me why the husband is so, like, skittish and passive. Scolding OP for getting something that's harmless and honestly would make them feel a little bit better. Grabbing them by the arm and doing their best shaggy Scooby-Doo impression saying, Zoinks, let's get out of here. Our next story is from Common Hence. Got my doormate to stop talking loudly on the phone when I'm sleeping. Back in 2019, while I was living in a dormitory, we had a roommate who was in his 30s and he seemed to be someone working as a daytime worker at a manufacturing company. Every single time he speaks on his phone, he was so loud that the entire floor could hear him, and everyone in the room would have to constantly remind him to tone it down. He was a 150 decibel noise machine. I used to work in IT as a support engineer, and I had to work rotational shifts. So every time I had night shifts, I needed to sleep during daytime. Given the amount of stress at work and the time my body took to adjust to different schedules, my mental and physical health was a big time mess. Sleep is the only thing that I had under my control, or so I thought. This guy has so many calls every single day and he answers every darn call inside this small dorm room. Most of them aren't even related to work from what I could remember. I politely asked him so many times to answer his phone in the corridor outside when I or anyone is asleep, but it felt like talking to a stone. He acts the same way again and again and again. Not sure if he thought that everyone would get tired of asking him and then eventually adjust to this crap? Well, I'm not giving up. One day I was having an awful mood. Zero energy and no time for BS. I desperately needed my 8 hour sleep, if not at least 6 hours of good sleep. But our guy was on leave, stayed at the dorm, and had to speak with his entire family tree. He was so freaking annoying, loud, arrogant, and totally careless that I just couldn't take it. I first gave him an angry look for my sleep. He acted like it was nothing. 
I asked him to speak slowly or to go outside until he's done with all his calls as I wasn't able to sleep at all. He turned his back on me to avoid any more interactions and went on with his call, speaking louder than ever. Well, witch, I try to be respectful. Now it's time for me to be a witch. I set an alarm for the next five minutes. My phone had this annoying rooster alarm tone. I dialed up my phone's alarm volume to the highest, and I waited. He was still speaking on his phone when the alarm went off. I woke up, held my phone in my hand, and never stopped the alarm. It was deafening in my ears, but I just held on to it. He thought I'd stop it eventually. When it automatically stopped in a minute, I replayed the alarm tone. Again, and again, and again. He looked at me, but I acted like he didn't exist. I just kept playing this annoying rooster tone. The speaker on the other end of his call probably asked him about the noise, and he loudly said that it was someone's alarm, as if to tell the person, me, in the room that he was getting disturbed. I didn't stop it. He stared at me, but I just replayed the deafening alarm tone with a poker face without looking at him until he left the freaking room to answer his calls. That's all. He never spoke a word after this. And in the next couple of days, left our dorm room. It was so peaceful after that. I slept happily ever after. I don't blame OP at all for doing what they did here. I think anybody who's trying to get some rest in and this guy picks up the phone like, Yeah, what's up? How's it going? is going to get livid and at some point if they don't have some consideration for their roommates and step out to take the call, I think just about anybody's going to do what OP did and they're going to either go up and yell at them or play something loud and annoying. Just fight fire with fire. This next story is from Verake. Got my roommates to stop having sex during quarantine. Full disclosure, this was at the beginning of quarantine for most of the US. I have two roommates that are dating. When I first moved in with my original roommate, we were both single guys. We were good friends and it was a lot cheaper to share a house. About six months after we moved in together, he moved his girlfriend in. No problem. She was cool and we all got along. Flash forward a couple of months and quarantine hit. I had to work from home. They didn't, but we were still getting paid. To quote r slash, they were constantly passionately hugging. I have no problem with that, but she was insanely loud. I'm talking Lassie from Porky's Loud. I told them they needed to quiet down during working hours, and his exact words were, We aren't that loud. Quit exaggerating and deal with it. Pertinent to the story is that I'm an IT help desk person, so I was on the phone a lot. One day, while I was on the phone with a client, they started going at it. The client was a young female, and she heard it. She asked me if I was watching adult entertainment while helping her. I apologized and told her it was my roommate and his girlfriend. She laughed and said she understood. I finished helping and hung up. End of story, right? Wouldn't be here if it was. The next day, I get a phone call from my CTO saying a client complained because I was watching adult entertainment while on a support call. I explained the situation to him and he laughed it off. Thank goodness he was a cool boss. I told him about it and he reiterated that she wasn't that loud and suck it up. The revenge, a couple days later on a weekend, they started going at it again. I pulled out my phone and recorded the audio. No, I didn't keep it, so don't ask. The next morning, they were both at the dining room table eating breakfast. I looked him dead in the eye and said, You aren't loud? And played the audio, which was recorded through our air duct. She turned white as a sheet. She apologized profusely, and I haven't heard anything since. 
listen, there's nothing wrong with what they were doing, but you gotta be mindful about how loud you actually are being. Not all walls and, I guess, air ducts are made equal. Maybe the bed's located right next to the air duct, so it's almost like a, a megaphone that carries it all throughout the house. It's just a shame that OP went to them multiple times and said, hey, you're pretty loud when you're doing that, and they go, no, we're not, deal with it. Frankly, I think I would be mortified just being told the first time. The fact that they were just outright like, deal with it, is quite an interesting reaction. Our next story is from Mercury Project. Saved my friend's job and burned my creep of a boss. So this is a story I've only shared a few times, but always wanted to write down. When I was in college some 10 plus years ago, I worked for my university as a resident advisor in a dorm. It was a student job that afforded me a place to live in exchange for managing a floor in one of the student housing buildings on campus. The job itself was fairly basic and consisted of helping students with housing issues, maintaining an office hour Monday to Friday, having a duty weekend once a month, and enforcing university policy. While I initially took the position for the housing, the dorm community aspect ended up being fairly enjoyable. Most of the policies of the university housing were common sense. No loud music after 9pm or running in the building, etc. If someone was found breaking the rules, you would tell them to stop and document it in case the issue became habitual. There were some rule infractions that also came with fines, such as smoking inside or damaging physical property. One of the policies that had a fine attached was getting locked out of your dorm. If you need to be let back into your dorm, the university would fine you $25. And if you actually lost your key, then you would be charged $500 to re-core the door lock. The first year I was an RA, I never charged a student to get back into their dorm. I thought it was a bad policy, as being a poor student myself, I understood what $25 could mean to someone. The building's resident manager, my boss at that time, was about to graduate and didn't care if we charged them to get into the room, and so everything was good. However, in year two, I have my first meeting with the other RAs and our new RM, we'll call him Doug. Doug was one of those people who was immediately overly friendly, and because he was a friend, felt like he could come into your personal space. Stuff like touching your shoulders or arms while talking to you. It was in this first meeting that he assigned out all of the master keys for the building. He had two keys for each floor, which were inside a zipper binder, along with a key log consisting of the key's serial number and the RA it was assigned to. This will become important later. He gave us each one of the keys, and then placed the second on a duty set of keys, which were checked out on the weekend by the pair of RAs on duty. While the university policies for a student losing a key were bad, the policies for an RA losing a master key are worse. If you were to lose a master key, you would be terminated, thus losing your housing, and you would be fined the cost to recore each door on your floor, $12,000. While we already knew this, I recall how much time Doug specifically spent reiterating this fact to us in this first meeting, and how he was no longer responsible for the keys since now we had them. Several weeks into the semester, I'm conducting duty rounds in the building with another RA, whom I'm friends with. We'll call her Brittany. Brittany's very smart, assertive, and always a laugh, so I loved working duty with her. This day, however, Brittany seems a bit down. After a bit of prodding, she confides in me that Doug has been making her uncomfortable and that he kept touching her. I believed I understood what she meant because I also disliked how touchy he was and 
how close he would get to me when we spoke? That's not what she meant. I talked to her about reporting him, but she didn't want to. Presumably because Doug was one of the department's golden boys. Brittany said she had had enough, so she told him off and didn't think it would happen again, but asked me to stick around her anytime he was around. After learning what Brittany told me, I asked another female RA who I was friends with what she thought of Doug. While she didn't claim he had done anything to her, she did express that she didn't like being alone with him. I decided he was a creep and I became very brief anytime I had to speak with him. I also made sure I would stick around after staff meetings until everyone left and would linger in the office doorway if Doug called one of the girls back. The year goes on and I continue doing my job just as I had done the year before. I document major and minor incidents, but I don't ever document letting students back into their dorms. One weekend, I'm on duty and get a notification on the duty pager, yeah, a pager, from a student. I call them and they're locked out on another floor. I grab the duty set keys and head to let them back into their dorm. In the hallway, I run into Doug who asks what I'm doing. We have a brief exchange. I tell him I'm letting a student into their dorm and I continue about my way, thinking nothing of it. The following Monday, I'm called into the office. I'm asked about the student I lent into his room and how often I have to let people in. I'm honest and tell him that I never charge the students and I do it several times a month. Apparently, because the students are informed of the policy and their responsibilities when they accept the keys, he considers my failure to charge them to be theft from the university. He had apparently reviewed all of the reports submitted under my user ID and seen that I had never charged anyone for being let back into their dorm and told me that he was referring me for disciplinary action. The disciplinary action didn't go far, or at least no one higher up ever spoke to me about that situation. For me though, this drew a line that only served to reinforce my opinion of him. School continues much as it had. A few months before the end of the year, I'm again doing duty rounds with Brittany who is clearly upset. Apparently, a few nights prior, she had a late night and a few drinks with friends. Early the next morning, a student had awoken from her drunken stupor because they'd locked themselves out of their dorm. Still half asleep, she grabbed her master key and let the student in. When she returned to her room, instead of putting the key up, she had instead set it on her counter where it then fell into the trash. Awake the next day, and not realizing what had happened, she took her trash to the dumpster and it was gone to the dump before she remembered what happened. Brittany couldn't afford to lose her job, housing, and being fined $12,000. She was at a complete loss as what to do. After considering the consequences of reporting what had happened and deciding that was a bad course of action, we brainstormed and decided we need to find a way to make a new key without anyone knowing. We didn't have long to act either as each day ran the risk of a random key check by Doug. The university keys are made on a key blink that are not readily available at the local shops, presumably for this exact reason. So we scoured the internet looking for a copy and ended up finding one that looked like a match. However, the website's picture was just a silhouette of what the key's outline looked like, so we weren't 100% sure. It was our best option, so we ordered it. A plan was born. With our key blank en route, we decided that we would take the second master key on the duty set midweek when it's not being used and take it somewhere to make a copy. The next problem was once we had a working copy of the key, we would still need to find a way to get the key's serial number back on the copy. 
Luckily, Brittany knew someone with hammer stamps that we could use to imprint the numbers on the key. And I somehow remembered the binder that Doug had with the serial numbers. Because Doug's office was across the hall from his room, he could always hear if anyone was in there. Since Brittany had had bad experiences with Doug, we didn't want him to find her in there alone. So, it fell to me. I waited till night on one of my duty weekends and got into the office. I opened the door as quietly as I could and snuck in, leaving the door only slightly ajar so that no one in the hall could immediately see in. I was only halfway through looking for the binder when I heard his door open. Sure enough, Doug steps in and asks what I'm doing. I know my heart was racing, but I'd come up with what I thought was a believable lie. I told him I had to use the university computer in his office to file an incident report because my laptop wasn't working. The lie was good enough and he bought it, leaving me alone to continue my search. It only took a few minutes before I found the binder and got the key number assigned to Brittany. I went ahead and filed a bogus report on a minor infraction in case Doug checked and was out of there. Each day we waited to see if the key blank would arrive. The plan hinged on this key, and it was exhilarating feeling the plan beginning to come together. When it finally came, it was a perfect match except for the large key brand stamped across it. There wasn't a way to cover it up, and it was too noticeable to pass as a real key. The whole plan seemed to fall apart. We decided we would still make a copy on this branded blank so that if Brittany needed to use the key, she could do so without being discovered, not having her master key. Brittany waited until midweek and took the second master key off of the duty set to use to make a copy. Once she had it, we talked over the plan and joked about how nice it would be if we could just change the numbers on the second key to match the serial number of the first. While that seemed like it probably wouldn't work, we decided to look at how many numbers would have to be changed. It was zero. In our first meeting where Doug had assigned us keys, where he stressed how we would be fired if we lost these keys, he had accidentally issued Brittany his copy. We realized we didn't have to do anything else, and Brittany put her master key in her lockbox. After two weeks, no one had noticed that the duty set was missing a key. Because we were tired of waiting, we had a student pretend to get locked out while Brittany was in town. The responding RA didn't have a clue and was confused why none of the keys worked, and they called up Doug. Doug couldn't seem to get any of the keys to work either, so he called Brittany back to the dorm so that he could use her master key a task in which she was happy to assist. When everyone realized the master key was missing, the big bosses got involved. There was a complete building search, a search of dorm rooms, and multiple interviews of each RA. None of the RAs knew anything but Brittany and I, so we feigned ignorance along with everyone else. I believe they suspected Brittany initially, but when she was able to produce her correct master key, their demeanor with her drastically changed. The floor got record as you would expect. They never did figure out where that key had gone, and thus couldn't justifiably charge anyone for the incident. We had a meeting where they basically chewed all of us out about keys and the importance of their security. While the meeting was for us all, a heavy emphasis was clearly directed towards Doug. Apparently, as part of his position, he was required to complete a key log each day to make sure that the keys on the duty set were accounted for. Unfortunately, he had not been doing so, and there was no way to tell how long the key had been missing. Like he had told me when he wrote me up, this was important since those keys were assigned to him, and he had been informed of the policy and his responsibilities when he accepted the keys. 
Since he was the boss's golden boy, they didn't fire him like we were all warned would happen. Doug did end up getting a substantial fine, and while I don't know the exact amount, I do know he was incredibly upset about it. The year was almost over, and Doug got moved to another building the next year, so I never had much more to do with him. I do know that he ended up losing his job due to some incident involving another female RA. Well, that was longer than I expected. Hopefully it's worth a laugh for anyone who read it, and at least I have it wrote down now. So as much of a stickler and a jerk as Doug is, he was his own worst enemy and he made slip up after slip up that had totally sunk him. Dude straight up played himself. And our final story of the day is by Bright Rick. Neighbors kept parking in our lot. I froze him out. This happened around 20 years ago. Our family owned two apartment buildings, three units each. We lived in two of them, rented out the other four. There's nothing but these three flats lining both sides of the road for about a mile. Not all have parking. On the side streets are houses and very little street parking. We had more land than most of these units since it was also our home. So we had parking for around 16 cars. Everything was fine for literally decades. Then cars started appearing in our parking lot that were not our tenants. I blocked one in one day, went outside to see this jerk drove through our bushes and across the yard to get out. I called the cops, nothing they could do. So I called a tow company and had them put up signs. We'd have to call them to get a car towed. The signs seemed to work, no more random cars. Until New Year's Eve one year, I arrive home and every space is filled. There's even cars on the street blocking in the other cars. I'm beyond pissed. I call the tow company. They can't do anything for a few hours because they're so busy. We're in the Chicago suburbs. It's below zero out. I have an idea. I dig out the lawn sprinklers and hoses. I run one hose inside the laundry room faucet and turn on the hot water. This way, the hose and sprinklers won't ice up. But the cars and the ground sure did. Three sprinklers moved every half hour or so for almost five hours. Every car every square inch of the parking lot, the street by the cars, encased in ice. I made it a point to spray ice in the locks, between the window seals and glass, in the grills, put away the sprinklers and hoses, and went to bed. 4am, furious pounding on the doors, doorbells ringing nonstop. We just smiled and called the cops, waited until they arrived and went outside. Cops were holding back laughter. These people were told to park here by their friend who owned an apartment several buildings away. The same idiot who drove over our bushes. I pointed to the tow sign and told the people to move their cars or get towed. In our town, cops can ticket on private property with the owner's permission. So, all cars were ticketed. They were also towed since nobody could get in their vehicle. Wish we had it on video. I'm just picturing like comical levels of encased in ice. Like when you think of like a woolly mammoth encased in ice, that was their car. Just OP standing there spraying that water until it just completely ice blocks that car out. Now that would be absolutely amazing. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another revenge story that was even crazier than any of the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, click on the right. But with that said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 